This is the Our Little Romance Book Club Podcast. I'm Tim. And I'm Ash. We're going to be exploring some of the best self-help books in the genre in our quest to level up in our personal lives so that we can show up stronger and more authentic in our marriage. So, whether you've been in a relationship for decades or days, come and grab our latest read and a cup of coffee and come learn how to level up yourself and your marriage. Hello, and welcome back to the Our Little Romance Book Club podcast. We are here today talking about... Law number two in Game Changers by Dave Asprey. Law two is never discover who you are. And I was like, what? When I read that, what was your like initial impression? Yeah, I think um, it's counterintuitive or counter to what you hear a lot in self-help books, which are always talking about how to discover who you are. So. Right. Obviously, he's trying to catch your attention with that, and we'll find out. Clickbait. <laughs> why he says that. Yeah, exactly. Clickbait in a book. Right. But first, we have our three questions that we answer for you every episode about our week and how it went. Question number one was, what did we fight about? What did we fight about? So this week, we were in Disneyland. Yep, for a like few days. A few days. For like half the week. So from Wednesday to Saturday, we were on a trip, just the two of us. Um, what did we fight about this week? I don't know. What do you want to talk about? Whatever we, what did we fight about? Um, well, I mean, we talked a little bit about, I don't know if it was a fight so much as a discussion about, um, interactions with your younger female friends. (laughs) Yeah, we did. But that seems like an entire podcast. That is an entire podcast. And that, well, okay, so we can talk a little bit about that. Um, I just want to preface this by saying that nothing Tim did was inappropriate or out of line or anything. I just don't want you guys to get the wrong impression here. (laughs) This whole conflict stemmed from my own insecurity. And if you go and you read the blog that's that's published this Monday, um, that's being published tomorrow morning, you will kind of get a better understanding of where I was coming from. But in a nutshell, I'm getting kind of insecure about my age. Granted, I'm not old yet. I am, I just turned 32. But, and you know, the blog kind of talks about this. There's like this threshold, sorry, that women cross at some point where they go from being miss, like everybody calls them miss, to like everybody calls them ma'am. And it's this like, I don't know. It just feels like a punch to the gut. Like you just feel like you kind of have lost your youth and your luster for life and you know, all this stuff. And, um, so this was kind of born out of my insecurity with that coupled with the fact that I have some back issues. And so whenever I'm walking a lot, my back issues flare up and it just makes me feel like I'm like 157 years old. Like there's nothing fun and sexy and new and shiny and happy about it. Like it just is what it is. And so I was, you know, feeling a little bit insecure and, um, it just was a recipe for, for some conflict. And like Tim said, we weren't fighting about it. It was more of like, you know, I, I in conflict when I'm frustrated about something, I tend to shut down 
and I pull away and I withdraw. And um, I, you know, was doing that and Tim was like, what's going on? And I was, you know, nothing. And, you know, truly I, I wasn't trying to make him chase me because sometimes, you know, we as, as women, when, when our husband or our partner asks us what's wrong and we say nothing, it's because we want to know that they really give a crap and because we want them to chase us down and passionately want to know what it is. And this really wasn't that. This was kind of more of a, I know that this is like bull and that this is something I need to like work through in myself because this stems from a self issue and not, you know, I wasn't truly offended at anything he had done. I wasn't upset with him about anything. This was just something I had wanted to kind of just deal with quietly on my own because it was embarrassing and frustrating, but... Um, I did wind up opening up about it and we talked about it and I, you know, wrote a blog about it that's being published tomorrow morning. So that was kind of the really, the only conflict I can think of that we, that we had this week. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And you know, it's obviously from the, from the guy's position, it's a little tough dealing with it because there's only so much that I can do, but to the extent I'm able to do things, you know, I want to. So it is something that I am cognizant about of how I interact with other women, um, both when Ashley's there and not when Ashley's there, um, just to be cognizant of it. And I think it's good, just a good reminder to guys of how easy it can be to get, um, I don't know, too relaxed among individuals of the opposite sex. I mean, both for guys and for for girls mm-hmm. generally. But like Ashley said, it wasn't. It wasn't because But it I was wasn't anything you were, you were flirting. Fl- you fl- were, no, philandering. Whatever no, that word is. F- philanderer. Philandering. No, no, not at all. And like I said, it was, it was born out of my own insecurity. And I think that that's also a good reminder for women is that a lot of times we see our husband's interactions with women through the lenses of our own insecurities. And so that's something we have to be careful of, you know, not to overreact and not to pass judgment or get offended quickly. Um, but to really try to be self-aware enough to say, okay, am I looking at this objectively or is this, you know, really something going on that we need to address or is this a me issue? And just because it's a me issue, and this is something I'm learning and working on just because it's a me issue doesn't mean that I have to keep it to myself and that I shouldn't say anything about it, but it is Mm -hmm. important to let Tim know I know this is a me issue, but I want to talk about it so yeah. that you're, I'm bringing you into this. And it is just another way to be vulnerable and intimate in your marriage, even though it's, you know, not always pretty. And, you know, yeah. we were talking about it in the airport and I was kind of laughing, but crying about it because, you know, we have these moments and, you know, Tim and I had just finished watching this really cool Netflix special um, that Brene Brown did. And, on um, vulnerability and how it, you know, relates to courage and being brave. And so I was saying, you know, it's really hard being vulnerable in marriage. And I said, but, you know, one of the most vulnerable things that can happen to a woman in a relationship is, is giving birth and having their partner in the room. And that forever changes your relationship with that person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I said, cause you're out there and you're naked and exposed and, you know, pooping on the table. And so, 
you know, after we talked about this whole issue that I had been having with my insecurities about getting older, uh, I said, well, that was kind of a poop on the table moment. <laughs> like talking about something that didn't feel comfortable, wasn't pretty and not flattering to me at all, but something that, you know, needed to happen, needed to be addressed so that Tim knew where my head was at. And right. So, yeah, that was our conflict for the week. All right. What was our best moment? What was our best moment? Well, I don't know about moment, but I really enjoyed the last day in Disneyland. Yes. Best moment that we can talk about on this podcast. Best moment that wasn't R-rated this week. Um, Yeah, so I mean, I think for me at least one of the last days in Disneyland was just a lot of fun because we got to, I got to dress up like Captain America for the most part, which was fun. And uh, just everything that went along with that. (laughs) I think, you know, it's fun. I've always been kind of this, like, I enjoy dressing up. I enjoy cosplay and I enjoy, you know, makeup and hair and all that and expressing myself that way. And I think for a really long time, that wasn't really something that Tim was comfortable doing and not that he, not that that like fuels his soul and like makes him feel super good inside all the time. Like that's not what he sits and thinks about all the time. No. But... Obviously, you really enjoy dressing up as Captain America. And yeah, so fun. for me, it was cool to be able to see you express yourself in that way because that's not something I get to see often. <laughs> no. And, you know, of course, it was hilarious because Tim has that kind of build. Uh, he's tall and he's got some muscles on him and, you know, so he's handsome and good looking. And so, you know, we're walking around and people are, Hey Cap or, you know, Hey Steve Rogers. And so it was cute. I dressed up as black widow. No one got it. Uh, no one said anything to me, which also hurt my feelings. Cute outfit. Yeah. That was like cute outfit, but like they could have said that about me any day. I always look cute. I don't. Who was, no, someone said something about the attitude, like Black Widow. I think Thor. Oh, that's because I told him I was Black Widow. No, I don't know. Jerks. Anyways, that was our best moment this week. <laughs> it was my best moment. I don't know Ash, Ash, <laughs> apparently not Ash's best moment. No, we had so much fun that last day. And I think it's always fun when, you know, you can kind of get out of your everyday life and just go play, whatever that looks like for you, whether that's hiking, camping, doing outdoorsy things, uh, gardening together, you know, whatever that looks like for you when you can get out of your own head and just go play for a bit with your spouse. I think that's always a good thing. And that's so important in any relationship. And our last question is what did you appreciate about your spouse this week? So, I mean, (coughs) I'm glad we talked about our conflict quote unquote, just because I think for me, the thing that I appreciated most about Ashley this week was her transparency and for her willingness to to blog about it and to write it down and honestly I I knew that she was writing it down and I knew that that was going to be cathartic for her regardless of whether or not it ended up in in a blog post but um, I think just what she has to say is common for all women and so I think being transparent in those moments is helpful and encouraging to other women out there so that they can talk about it and or they just know that they're not alone in those moments and you know trying to figure out how to walk through those things with their husbands or their partners and I think that's important so I appreciate that about you this week (laughs) um 
and mine's you know related to that i i appreciated um you coming from a place of non-judgment because i know that you kind of felt attacked a little bit maybe not attacked but i think you felt frustrated in that situation because maybe you felt that i was accusing you of something you didn't do and you know you were saying i had been overly conscious about my interactions you know with women and you know and these girls we were on this trip with and everything you know um as you always are and so for you to feel that i was saying it wasn't good enough or that you didn't do it right um you know hurt your feelings and made you feel frustrated but i appreciated that you were able to look past that hurt and see that I was hurting and seek to understand what was going on with me instead of staying in that space of, I feel hurt. I feel frustrated. I did the right thing and it wasn't good enough. And, you know, I think it's a really hard thing sometimes to reach past your own hurt and see that the other person, you know, cause it's like that whole, like hurt people, hurt people, you know? And it's, I, I wasn't intending to hurt you. I was, you know, ineffectively communicating in that moment what I needed and... Right. Yeah, there certainly was moments, I think, where there was frustration on my part because I knew, well, you know, like she said, she was shutting down, right? And so I'd ask her a question. I was trying to to make conversation or whatever, and she was just in that, like, one-word answer, and she wasn't making eye contact with me, which is a tell for her when something is going on. And so, meet my eye level, Jim. There's part of me, you know, that was like, fine, you know, you don't want to talk to me, fine, I won't talk to you, and we'll just move on. And you're obviously overreacting, and you know, et cetera. And so, which we did for a little bit. Yeah, for a minute. Yeah, we're not perfect, guys. <laughs> no. We're still learning. We're still figuring this out. But you know, hopefully next time we'll get to that place of honesty faster. Yeah. And part of it was that there just wasn't a great time to talk about it. No, the Uber driver didn't want to hear about The Uber driver didn't want to hear <laughs> our, our drama. I didn't want to talk about it while we were still on this trip with these other people. In part, you know, because it felt really embarrassing to me. But also because I knew that Tim was coming from a good place. And I didn't want to cause him any anxiety about you know, how he was interacting with these women, even though there was absolutely nothing wrong, nothing inappropriate in the least, like everything was fine. I didn't want to make the situation worse. And so I don't know how maybe we could have communicated that better if I just needed to tell him like, hey, I do want to talk to you about something, but let's wait and talk about it when we're alone after the trip, you know, whatever. Maybe I could have been more communicative that way, but it's all a learning process, right? That's right. All right. Well, let's get going into law number two, never discover who you are. Okay. So for those of you who are following along in the book, or for those of you who aren't, I'm going to go ahead and read law two, and then we're going to chat about what we thought about it. To change the world, tap into your strengths, but do not passively discover who you are. Actively decide and create who you are. If you abdicate this duty by allowing others to tell you who to be, you will struggle greatly in life and likely fail to achieve greatness. So discover your passion and follow it, but do it as the person you create. The difference is a life of mediocrity and creeping misery compared to a life of freedom and passion. So, (laughs) 
we haven't talked about this at, really at all, guys. We try to come into this like very fresh. Like we don't talk about this uh, before we come in, so that you guys can kind of hear like our honest uh, reactions to this. Yeah. Um, I know when I read this the first time, I underlined actively decide and create who you are. And I think like Tim was saying, so many of the self-help books out there that we've seen before are all about discovering who you are and how to do that. And um, it's not very concrete, really at all. And so I kind of appreciated the concreteness about this. Mm -hmm. But again, for me, Dave Asprey is just taking a lot of the magic out of things <laughs> for me. I don't know. What do you think, babe? Yeah, I mean, part of me was a little hesitant because I, I'm not into the whole... Well, I don't, the way I present it is going to betray my position on it. But I think there is something to be said about mantras or about, you know, talking yourself up or saying things to yourself to remind you of who you are, that kind of thing. But I'm not into like a like I can't say I'm going to win a million dollars and tomorrow I'm going to win a million dollars. Like I, there's a certain level of the whole words and the power of words thing that I'm not super comfortable with and I think is misleading for a lot of people and puts a lot of false hope for people. Um, so that was a little concerning to me or at least, you know, just initially I was kind of like, well, I don't want that to be what this is talking about here. But ultimately, as we get more into it, it's more, you know, what is it the, the kind of person that you want to be, the kind of person that when people talk about you, what is it that they want to say about you oh yeah tim i know him he's fill in the blank and then just using those things as your guiding principles when you're making decisions and saying okay is this so for me one of them will, one of the words actually was honorable and so you know when i make a decision it's like okay well is this the honorable decision or not you know if i have an opportunity to screw someone and make a quick buck or you know to do the right thing and, and not what's more important to me. Right. Know? And so I think here it's just saying what's figuring out those things that are most important to you, those words that describe the person that you want to be, and then orchestrating your decisions in such a way that that's your focus as opposed to money or success or power, um, you know, et cetera. And I think it goes like hand in hand with law number one, which was, you know, talking a lot about how you make your decisions in life based on your mission and based on, you know, what's going to serve your mission, what's going to propel you forward mm -hmm. in your goals in life. And I think this kind of aligns with that. And it's more about who you want to be. And I mean, it can even be something more superficial, for example, like say if you wanted to be a millionaire. Well, OK, so it's kind of this live as if idea that you know okay so you're gonna live as though you are already a millionaire and what does that look like to you does that look like you waking up at 5 30 a.m to meditate and you know create a business plan for the day does that look like you spending your money only on things that you need and that serve you so that you can then save the rest of your money to continue to grow your wealth does that look like making sound investments that are gonna you know so i think you know, in some ways there is an aspect of it that's kind of like dress for the job you want, not the job you have. 
Um, but I can also definitely see that it's super valuable for like character traits as well. Um, and one of the things from the text that I really liked says that we have two enemies that get in our way. One of them is self-oppression, which is our tendency to put ourselves down. And the other is social oppression, which is the people who judge us and fail to be supportive of who we are or what we want. And so the expert that he had been talking to, Brandon Burchard, or Burkhard, I don't know how do you say that, Burkhard? Um, Brendan suggests that you overcome those two barriers by developing what he calls a competence confidence loop. And so essentially what that is, is when you are learning about something, you become competent in it, you become more confident. And so then your competence grows because you're enjoying what you're doing and your passion is fueled and all of that. Um, so I, I thought that that was a really good point you know, kind of identifying that those, those two enemies that kind of get in the way of being able to be who we are fully and to express ourselves and pursue the things that we want to pursue. Yeah. I mean, and it's funny because looking where we have our books in front of us. And so Ashley's is underscored to mine. Those sections is bracketed with self-oppression and social oppression underlined. So we both, both thought that that was important. And mm-hmm. I think for me, it was just recognizing that yeah i mean those are both things that i struggle with when i think about the person i want to be or the things that i want to pursue you know there's a lot of self-doubt there's a lot of well that's you can't do it or you know you're not meant to do those things or big things or whatever and then there's also a it's almost a fear of social depression so the backlash of people being like oh that's what you want to do or that's what you do that seems silly or that seems dumb or you know, no one could ever make a living doing that or what, you know, whatever the case may be. Right. And I liked what it said, when you act without intention, you will experience self-doubt. And I thought that was super powerful because I've seen that so many times in my own life when I've just kind of thrown myself into something and been like, I'll figure out the details later. It's so easy for me to start experiencing self-doubt rather than when I make a plan and I'm intentional about what I'm doing. And I think that definitely applies to our relationship and to relationships in general, because, you know, if you don't have intentions and goals and things that you are setting for yourself and you're just kind of floundering, like there's so much room there for self-doubt and, you know, doubting yourself, doubting your marriage, doubting your partner, all of that, because you're not working towards something and you haven't been intentional. For sure. Now, you know, one thing that I struggle with, and maybe you'll have more insight than I will, and this is part of the whole confidence, confidence loop is figuring out what it is that you want to be competent and confident in. Right. Um, And so when he talks about the competent, confidence loop, he's talking about eventually achieving mastery in something. And one of the other sections they talk about what someone refers to as primal inclinations and they're talking about things that kind of have always been in you and you could even see in a kid as a kid the things that really interested you those things refer to as your primal inclinations or your basic strengths and if you were able to find those things you're able to learn and grow that mastery that much more because I think everyone has had that experience where you find something really intriguing and you learn about it and the amount of information that you absorb is so much more than something that you just have to do 
in school. You know? Right. Um, but one of the questions that I ask at the end of the book is, you know, what is your primal inclinations or one of your primal inclinations? And that I struggle with that. And, you know, this isn't to speak directly to your situation necessarily because I, I don't know how this was for you maybe growing up. But I think it's really common as kids that maybe our parents didn't foster or didn't encourage those interests that we had when we were little. Or they wrote them off as being silly or, gosh, well, you're interested in this now. You know, when you grow up, you'll have to find something else to be passionate about or, you know, things like that. And so I think you have to just go and kind of do some self-reflection and some you know, meditation and really go back and look at what fueled you as a kid. What did you, what were your favorite subjects in school? What were you fascinated in learning about? I mean, like for me, um, biology and human anatomy has always been incredibly fascinating to me. And I've always been able to retain so much more information in Mm -hmm. those areas because I'm so passionate about it to the point where, you know, if our kids have a question about anatomy or how the body works, they just skip you entirely and (laughs) come straight to me. Not true, but usually I'll tell them that mom probably knows Go ask your mom. Um, So, you know, that's something that I'm super passionate about, but I've always also been passionate about relationships and personalities, emotions, the way that humans interact. And so those are the things that I wrote down because those are the things that I could see myself being really interested in on a very basic level as a child. I loved having friends. I loved finding the people that were left out and going and finding them and pulling them into a group or letting them know they weren't alone, things like that. Um, being able to encourage other people, like I said, learning about, uh, anatomy, physiology, all that stuff. That was all things I was super passionate about. And I mean, biology, even whether I was learning about dolphin biology or whether I was learning about horses or whether I was learning about cats or people, like it was all just incredibly fascinating to me, the way that the body works. Yeah. So what, what do you feel? Did you write anything down or what do you feel like as a kid? Like what did little Tim love learning about? I mean, you were homeschooled, so you didn't necessarily have the same structure as far as like classes, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, we did have different subjects and I mean, I was really interested in animals as a kid. Um, and we got like a big book of all this, these animals and that was fun, but I don't, you know, that's the thing is I don't I don't know. I can't think of anything as a kid. I mean, like, man, I'd really like to get to know more of that. I mean, I think if I did say that, my parents would have fostered that because they love knowledge and they love mm-hmm. education and they've never spurned that. Um, no, not at all. So, I mean, one thing I did write, write down is because something that I've continued to learn and have enjoyed learning over the years is um, reasoning and philosophy and specifically apologetics but um i really enjoy one problem solving two like logical thinking like my favorite class in undergrad was a class called symbolic logic um and so i love being able to have a problem how to have a set of rules to apply to that problem and solving it and however that were, I mean, you know, however that may or may not apply to my current job, but 
that's actually something that I really enjoy. I enjoy putting together a picture and all the pieces in this puzzle and finding the answer. And I actually mm -hmm. enjoyed that in my prior job. Absolutely. And I think you also really love learning. I do. Yeah. That's like a huge passion of yours. And so you may not necessarily have a specific one thing. Oh, I really enjoy learning about, you know, calculus, or I really enjoy learning about the English language or, you know, whatever, but you just all encompassing, you love the pursuit of knowledge. Right. And I think a really great way to answer that question for yourself, if you're kind of like, well, I don't really know. I think there's certain personality types that really know what they're passionate about and that really know like what they've been put here on this earth to do. And there's certain personality types that are more practical. And I think the more practical types have a harder time, yeah. you know, identifying those passions. And so I think a really great question to ask yourself is if I were a trust fund kid and money was just being fed to me and I didn't have to work, what would I do with my life? Right. You know, and so just that kind of question of if money were no object, what would I do if I didn't have to work and I got to work and, you know, I got to design my dream job, what would that be? And I know I asked you that question like a month or so ago when we were out on a hike and you would say right. what? Oh, the beginning paid to learn. Yeah. Just, yeah. So I think that's kind of what your base what your, what is it, primal instinct, primal inclination, primal inclination is, is that you love learning. And I think the way that they phrased it in the whole action item section, where it was like, what are the things that you can't help learning about was maybe a little too narrow for you. And maybe that's kind of what held you up a little bit because you can't really learn. I mean, you can learn about learning. That's what teachers do. Uh, right. But at the same time, you also love teaching and you right. also love that mentorship role and those, those kinds of things that like, you know, you've expressed to me in the past that those right. are things that really feed your soul. And so, you know, I think, like I said, when you're able to really boil it down, you know, and as a practical person, I know that can be really difficult to do. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, my favorite parts about jobs I've had in the past is being able to teach, like being able to attain knowledge and then convey that knowledge to someone else and enable them to, to do something. So yeah, I don't know what that looks like and it seems pretty nebulous but i think it's part of it is just understanding that those things really are things that i enjoy and i get a lot out of and so trying to find ways to add those into what i do now you know so i mean yeah. as an attorney there's times when i get to explore kind of a new area of law and i really enjoy that and enjoy putting together different pieces and figuring out what applies and Later over the summer, there's going to be an intern. So just being able to try to convey what knowledge I do have to that person and helping them to, to grow. That. I'm looking forward to that. And I think as a spouse too, being cognizant of what your partner is passionate about and those things that do feed their soul and fuel their passions and make room in your life for them to be able to pursue those things. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that I think Tim and I have really tried hard in our marriage to be able to do, whether for me that's, you know, giving me space to go and take pictures of people. So that's something I really enjoy doing. Or for right. him, you know, me trying to give him space to go and volunteer on Sunday mornings teaching kids at church or, right. you know, having the space to 
to learn new things and go back to school again and doing all that. Um, you know, I think when you're able to identify those things with your partner that, you know, are your primal inclinations and then encourage your partner in those. For sure. That really helps not only yourself become more knowledgeable and intimate on another level with your partner, but it also allows you guys to like be there to build each other up and to support each other's endeavors and passions and things. Yeah, for sure. So let's see the last thing I felt like before we talked about, before we talk about what the action items were for this law was how he was talking about prioritizing actions into the three buckets, Mm -hmm. the things that drain your energy Things that you don't mind and are important and useful and things that give you energy and bring me joy. And so the goal would be to break down those daily actions so that you spend none of your time on tasks that fall into the first category. That drain your energy. Which was drain your energy. And then 10% on the second category, which is things you don't really mind doing that are useful and important. And then 90% of your time in the final category. And that's what... Um, the coach, or I'm sorry, the Robert Green calls the primal inclinations. So the goal then is mm. to spend the vast majority of your time doing those things that you're super passionate about, those things that come easy to you. Um, and some people like to refer to that as your area of genius. Um, and then 10% into those things that, you know, maybe you don't really you're kind of whatever. I don't mind doing it, but I probably should do it. It's important and useful. And then not doing things you don't want to do. How do you feel about that? Well, you know, it's funny (coughs) because before we transitioned to this, I was thinking about, you know, how it applies in marriage and it, it, particularly marriage when you have kids, I think, well, in any relationship, when you're living together in the same household, you know, there's common responsibilities and things that have to get done. Right. So there's dishes and there's, meals and there's you know laundry and vacuuming and sweeping and um not everyone has the money to and we definitely don't have the money to pay someone to do all those things right um and some of those things might be pretty draining for one or both spouses so you know when we talk about these things it's not like well dave asprey says that i should do 90 percent of the things that give me joy and doing dishes doesn't give me joy and it kind of drains me so i'm not going to do it right like at not everyone has that luxury and that especially for a marriage relationship that's not going to be particularly successful so i think in that instance part of it is having conversations with your spouse about maybe about different chores right so for ashley and i you know she really despises doing dishes because her fingers get pruny and that's a sensory issue for her right but for me doing dishes is not that big of a deal so like i tend to do most of the dishes and she doesn't and then and that's fine and i understand that like for me it's not as hard not as difficult not as draining doesn't take as much energy as it does for her Mm-hmm. Right. So it actually, for me, it falls into the <clears throat> category. It's important and I don't mind it as opposed to it drains me. Right. And I think another example of that in our marriage and in our just everyday life is um, dealing with our kids' emotional issues. Yeah. 
and like their drama with friends at school or times when they're shut down and they need someone to talk to and kind of really help pull it out of them. And sometimes that takes 25, 30, 40 minutes to like process through all of that. And that's really my area of genius. I'm really strong in that area. It's something I enjoy doing with the kids is helping them, you know, identify emotions and work through them and talk through them and do all of that. And I think sometimes Tim finds that really draining. And so, you know, obviously he's willing to be there for the kids on an emotional level. He encourages them to be emotional, but that's not his, that's not a primal inclination for you is to say, Hey, let's talk about your problems for 40 minutes. You know, you're kind of more of the, I will give you a hug. I love you. I'm here for you. Let's move on. Yeah. (laughs) And sometimes kids need that and sometimes they don't. And so, you know, that's an area where I kind of say, okay, I'll, I'll take this one, you know, when I go and, and I work with the kids for a bit and, and we, uh, you know, he gives me space to do that. And, you know, he usually winds up doing the dishes during that time or, you know, whatever. Right. Or make dinner. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, I know we talked about this, um, a long time ago in one of our marriage minutes is kind of identifying your strengths and utilizing those while you're on vacation. And so I think that's important to do in everyday life Mm -hmm. is to look at all the things that need to be done um, and what needs to be done, you know, and and what can be done. So driving the kids to school, you know, I I don't really have much going on in the mornings generally. So I drive the kids to school um, and that's just my responsibility. So I get up and I make sure I'm up and the kids are out of the house on time and I drive them to school. It's not a big deal. Um, you know, and if I'm sick or something, you know, Tim takes over that or, you know, like Tim said, he does dishes because I've got sensory issues. And so he kindly takes over that for me. Um, you know, I, there's certain things I initiate that, you know, maybe he wouldn't think of and vice versa. So I think you have to, you know, break those things down, identify those strengths. And, you know, I think the thing that kind of annoys me about this book a little bit is it comes from a place of privilege like it's a very like white privilege type Uh, of place that it comes from right to be able to say oh well if that's draining you don't do it right like okay i get where you're coming from i understand the spirit behind it but like that doesn't work (laughs) for like practically for everyone but i think we can take the spirit of it and apply it to your life and your marriage by saying you know Make every effort to identify those areas of genius for you, those primal inclinations, and do your best to throw 90% of your energy into doing those things as much as you can, you know? And, you know, sometimes you have to do things you don't want to do. Right, right. I mean, it's certainly <laughs> if there's things in your life that are draining you and you have the option to not do them, don't do them. Or, right. you know, if there's ways that you can, you know, change away your responsibility, change around your responsibilities at work so you realize man when i do these tasks these are really draining but you know what john over here seems to love these things and you know you know we can figure out a way where he does more of that and i do something else that he doesn't like to do i mean right if you have the ability to do that and you've never thought about that yeah i mean make those changes or right and that's a great application for it especially i think as an entrepreneur because your time as an entrepreneur whether you have a family and kids or not is so valuable 
you need to be operating in your primal inclinations. The reason you started your business in the first place, you need to be operating in that as much as you possibly can. And if you suck at social media or you're really terrible at click funnels or, you know, all those things that you need to like get your business going, some of the logistics, yeah, you might have to do those yourself for a while while you're starting to make money and you're starting to grab some, you know, assets into your business and things. But once you have the ability to hire someone, why would you not? Right. And I think that's his point is, right. you know, if you are, if something's really draining you in your business that you could hand off to someone else or you could hire someone to take care of, then absolutely do that. Right. Um, so I think that's, you know, a great thing to keep in mind because you can apply that to so many different right. areas of your life. Right. So the action items for this section were to find three words that describe your highest, best self and to write them down where you'll see them throughout the day or do what Brendan does and set a phone alert to go off three times a day to remind you of the words. Write them down here. Do it now. Do it now. So what, do it now. What were your words, babe? Yeah, so my three words were honorable, impactful, and kind. Ooh. Why did you choose impactful? I don't know. Because I want to... What you want to be? I want to make a difference. I love it. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I think I want to impact people in a positive way. Mm-hmm. And whatever and whatever that that looks like. That's awesome. Yeah. What about you? I like your words. My words were innovative, driven, and compassionate. Mm-hmm. Because I think when I'm operating at my highest and best self and you know, just really walking in, in alignment with my purpose and what I'm put here on the planet to do. These are the traits that I exhibit. And I notice when I'm not operating at that level, when I'm, you know, kind of operating at a lower vibration or whatever you want to call it, when I'm not being optimal, I'm not innovative, I'm not driven and I am not compassionate. So Mm. these are just words that kind of popped into my head of like, this is my best self. This is how I strive to be in my highest, my final evolution, right? <laughs> this is what I want to be. Dragon Ball Z reference. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Identify your primal inclinations, things that you love that you just can't help learning about. So for me, it was the all-encompassing thing was humans. Mm. Um, I love learning about humans, about their biology, personality, relationships, emotions, how they relate to all of those things. That is my primal inclination. And it's, like I said, there's a lot that falls under that umbrella of humans. But when you boil it down, I love learning about humans. And what did you put? Yeah, like I said, I mean, at the time, I was just thinking about, like, what's the podcast (laughs) that I love and listening to the most? (laughs) Right. (laughs) And have listened to for the last, like, 10 years. Um, And there's really only just one. And that's basically a philosophy podcast. It talks about apologetics. Um, But I think you're right. I mean... I just enjoy learning. I mean, I, that's why I enjoy talking to people. Uh, generally, I mean that that they have different jobs. I just love learning what people do and what goes into that and everything that goes around that. So, um, yeah, love it. I guess that's it. All right, guys, we're gonna wrap up this conversation about law number two: never discover who you are. Always create always be in a state of creating and taking action to the person you want to be 
Um, next time on the podcast, we're going to be talking about law three, which is when you say you try, you are lying. I like this one. It's really harsh, careful. but you know what? I'm so excited to talk about it with you. Um, we're going to save it for the next podcast recording. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. This was a good one. Let us know your thoughts. You can find us pretty much everywhere. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Um, and you can email us at ourlittleromance05 at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram at ourlittleromance. Just start Googling Our Little Romance. You'll find us wherever. And, of course, always as always, our website, ourlittleromance.com. We hope you guys have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, y'all. Bye.